Hello and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies Podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevarez, and today we'll be going through the first part of John 7, 40-52. This passage is titled, The Division Among the People. Verse 40 says, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. So the words in reference here were Jesus' claim in verses 37 through 38, which said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So this served as reference to be the redeemer that would finally clean God's people and reconcile them to God. So they were still lingering in confusion and fear as to believing in him or submitting in fear to the high priest who were very blatantly seeking to arrest him. And so others said, this is the Christ, but some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Interestingly enough, and I would even suggest ironically enough, the people seem invested in finding out who Jesus is, yet they have the chance to know where Jesus was born, but they assume his birthplace by simply connecting to where he grew up in. And the reason why this is ironic is because they have all the resources to investigate, but simply decide to state what is untrue which show their lack of interest in deeper, more important matters, which are, as John MacArthur comments, messianic credentials. And so verse 42 says, Has not the Spirit said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village of where David was? So this roots from the prophecies such as Micah 5, 2 through 5, which says, But O you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old and from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And this prophecy is fulfilled in Matthew 1, which is the genealogy of David to Jesus and Jesus' birth, and also in Luke 2, which is Jesus' birth. And so verses 43 and so on say, So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. And the Pharisees answered, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? So the comments from verse 47 and 48 are rooted in disputes between the religious authorities who were Levites versus the Pharisees. There is obvious pride and arrogance in religious self-righteousness in the heart of the speakers of this verse and not following what they would consider just as another deceiver whom they think is Jesus. Verse 49 says, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. 
Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? So we can clearly see how Nicodemus, who had spoken with Jesus back in John 3, basically was defending Jesus. Also, when Nicodemus says our law, he doesn't mean like God's commandments, but rather referring to the Jewish oral law. Um, after reading many commentaries, the Jewish oral law is basically what he was referring to. And so they replied in verse 52, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So again, clear ignorance of the scriptures, which is ironic to the fact that these were religious leaders. And we also see their hardened hearts. Also, we know Jesus was not born in Galilee, instead in Bethlehem. And we actually see this proven in Luke 2, specifically verses 1 through 7, where it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so the first couple of verses regarding the census itself is packed with political history. And therefore, we will not go over all of the politics and logistics here because it's quite archaeologically, historically, and logically overwhelming for just a simple Bible study. But if you're interested in the evidence behind these verses and more on the birth of Jesus, I would recommend some of John MacArthur's studies because they are very factual as well as far easier to understand and read than many theologians, archaeologists, and historians. But I do recommend him and also Elisa Shilders has great podcast and podcast segments dedicated to the evidence regarding the Bible in general. And so this is all important because as we have discussed before, Christians do not have blind faith. Actually, Peter speaks about seeking truth and having reason behind our faith in Christ in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. And I believe he was speaking about our character and having righteousness in our character as reason and also reason behind our faith, knowledge behind why we believe in Christ. It says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. The last, I guess you could say, sentence says the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. And so the reason for this passage not being included in many translations, not all, is because the earliest manuscripts collected don't include it. Others include it in the Gospel of Luke, and many have seen that the language and chronology doesn't really align with John 8 and the Gospel according to John in general. It is usually seen that later manuscripts do include it though. But there's no critical evidence as to completely consider it heretic and it does not go against biblical validity. It is not an error and it does not at all put into question the biblical message. 
and we do have touched on this before, but let's talk about it again. The Bible literally has more copies than Plato's dialogue, which as we talked about a while back, Plato's dialogue only has 20 copies, which came 1,250 years after the original. Aristotle's assorted works, uh, which only has five copies, actually came 4,000 years after the original. And Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars, which are only 10 copies, came 950 years after the original. And so we never think about, oh, could these works possibly not be valid with the little amount of works and how far away from the original they are? And yet we constantly, or at least today, atheists and theologians are constantly questioning the New Testament and the Bible itself. And the New Testament alone has 6,000 copies, which only came 30 years after the originals. But back to the passage itself, as we will study next week, it's about a woman caught in adultery. And so we'll probably mention this again in the next episode, but I wanted to give context in regards to why we don't have or a lot of translations don't have this segment, chapter seven and eight. And so I hope you guys have a good week and see you next episode. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram at Deep Bible Studies and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.